Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. Elon Musk personally rejected a Ukrainian request to extend his satellite internet service to Crimea. The SpaceX CEO fearing that an effort to retake the peninsula from Russian forces could lead to a nuclear war. Following Russia's February invasion of Ukraine, Musk and the United States government provided Kyiv with thousands of Starlink systems, enabling Ukrainian forces to communicate in what were previously dead zones. The low energy requirements of the service's satellite receivers have enabled it to be connected to reconnaissance drones, providing valuable real-time intelligence on Russian movements and the ability to target them. But recently, there have been problems. Last week, the Financial Times reported that the service was suffering catastrophic outages on the front lines, prompting speculation that it had been shut off in areas controlled by Russia, perhaps to prevent the Kremlin from itself exploiting the network. On Twitter, Musk said he could not comment on battlefield conditions, saying that that's classified. But speaking to Eurasia Group political analyst Ian Bremmer in late September, Musk appeared to confirm that the satellite service was being intentionally disabled. Neither SpaceX nor Ukraine's Ministry of Defense immediately responded to requests for comment. Musk said that he had been asked by Ukraine's defense ministry to activate Starlink in Crimea, which was invaded and annexed by Russia in 2014. Musk refused to give the potential for esc- Musk refused given the potential for escalation and claimed to have recently Bremer said that Musk claimed to have recently spoken with Vladimir Putin, asserting that he is, quote, prepared to negotiate. Uh, I told you guys yesterday that Musk had proposed a peace plan. Um, and in that conversation with Musk, supposedly, this is like all a bunch of like he said, she said rumor bullshit, which, hello, it's the news. Um, Putin reportedly threatened to use nuclear weapons if Ukraine tried to retake the Crimean Peninsula, which serves as the base for Russia's naval forces on the Black Sea. On Twitter, however, uh, Musk flatly denied having any recent conversation with the Russian leader, saying that he has spoken to Putin only once, and that was about 18 months ago. The subject was on space. Bremer is likewise adamant on social media that Musk told me he had spoken with Putin and the Kremlin directly about Ukraine. Russian forces are losing ground in Ukraine's south and have lost huge swaths in Ukraine's east as they press into regions Russia declared it had annexed, sparking concern among arms control experts about whether Putin and his top advisors may contemplate an attack with a nuke from their vast arsenal in an attempt to staunch their losses. Speaking of Elon and Starlink, in an interview with the Financial Times last week, Elon Musk revealed that figures in the Chinese government have asked him directly to withhold Starlink access within China. Musk told the Financial Times 
that Beijing has made clear its disapproval of his recent rollout of Starlink in Ukraine and sought assurances that he would not sell Starlink in China, which makes me think that maybe that means Taiwan. (laughs) Um, It's unclear from the description whether Musk agreed to Beijing's request, but Starlink's service map shows no plans to deploy in China. Adjacent countries like Taiwan, Mongolia, and Vietnam are listed as pending regulatory approval. Offering a connection to the internet that sidesteps conventional service providers, Starlink has been a popular idea for circumventing network-based censorship around the world. Most recently, Starlink enabled access in Iran in response to widespread protest and accompanying censorship. Internet censorship in China, however, is far more organized and persistent, and any ongoing attempt to invade it, evade it through, God, through Starlink would likely incur retaliation from the central government. The anecdote is a reminder of how exposed Musk is to international pressures, even as he champions free speech principles in his public statements. Tesla maintains a factory in Shanghai, and the company has reportedly sold more than 80,000 cars in China. Musk has remained broadly aligned with the Chinese government, and as a result, even authoring a column for a magazine run by the country's internet censorship agency. At the same time, Musk is more likely than ever to take ownership of Twitter. After months of confusing gamesmanship, Musk committed last week to purchasing the social network at the originally agreed-upon price, telling a judge in his civil case with the company that he believes the deal will close before October 28th. Twitter remains officially blocked in China. It always surprises me when I see that because there are a significant number of interactions that I have on Twitter with people who live in China that are not state-based operators. So as Musk is doing his best to de-escalate the war between Russia and Ukraine, Most other affluent ivory tower dwellers seem to have been bitten by the warmonger bug, throwing around the phrase like tactical nukes, like it's some normalized or more tolerable nuclear attack, unlike strategic nukes. Tactical nuclear weapons differ from the more commonly known strategic weapons, principally due to the technicalities of physics. Whereas a nuclear ballistic missile hits hard on all fronts, including the force of the blast, thermal impact, radiation, and electromagnetic disturbances, a tactical nuclear weapon seeks to maximize the shockwave while minimizing other undesirable effects. Such a weapon might be preferable if the country deploying it later needs to get its troops across the affected area. Nuclear weapons have not been used on the battlefield outside of the U.S. atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, and there has since been something of an international taboo against their use, you think? There's a significant chance that people today would think of the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki as tactical nuclear weapons, but the line between the tactical and strategic is really artificial. The United States and Russia have had plenty of debate about what's tactical and what's strategic, but they've never been able to agree. The ambiguity is reflected in NATO's own definitions of nuclear forces, which vary widely by country. For France, 
NATO's definition of a strategic nuclear weapon is linked to intention, to the doctrine of deterrence rather than to technical characteristics. For Russia, a strategic nuclear weapon is defined by reach, notably weapons designed to engage objects in geographically remote strategic regions over 5,500 kilometers. Some analysts warn that thinking of some nuclear weapons as less catastrophic than others minimizes the risks to make the prospect of a limited nuclear deployment more tolerable. According to Hoffman, the increasing public use of the word tactical has a highly political motive, which is to legitimize the use of nuclear weapons in a conflict. The term produces an unconscious bias by making people think that there's a type of nuclear weapon that's more acceptable than others because its use would be limited to military objectives. This is a very dangerous argument because it tends to lull people into forgetting that all nuclear weapons, whether strategic or tactical, are weapons of mass destruction. And the relative power of nuclear weapons should not be underestimated. It's worth noting that the biggest conventional weapon in the United States arsenal, known as the MOAB, or Massive Ordnance Air Blast Bomb, has a destructive power equivalent to 11 tons of TNT, whereas the least powerful of the supposedly tactical Russian nuclear weapons has the destructive power of 300 tons of TNT. But yes, please keep antagonizing Russia. It's such a smart move when the U.S. decommissioned our tactical arsenal in favor of more conventional weapons. All the maybe nuclear war will be good for us articles that are coming out are super helpful. Let's keep doing more of that. And while you're at it, why don't you start uh, doing televised simulations of what the world will look like and push it out to homes every day? Former Hawaii rep Tulsi Gabbard has announced she's leaving the Democratic Party, denouncing it as an elitist cabal of warmongers, while calling upon other common-sense, independent-minded Democrats to exit with her. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism, actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms, are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, demonize the police and protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, believe in open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, I invite you to join me, said Gabbard in an announcement with the launch of a podcast series on YouTube called The Tulsi Gabbard Show. There's a lesson there if you pay attention to it. The first upload is a 28-minute episode titled Why I'm Leaving the Democratic Party where she details her entrance into the Democratic Party as a young person, inspired by Democrats who stood up against the war in Vietnam, and those who stood up for plantation workers in Hawaii. It's important to remind y'all that Tulsi Gabbard is a gun-grabbing Medicare-for-all socialist, and while she may be denouncing the Democratic Party, she's not denouncing socialism or implying that she has changed any of her positions. 
She is right that the Uniparty is a problem. She is wrong that giving government more power and control over things that are better facilitated by the private sector is a good idea. A now former San Antonio police officer was charged Tuesday with two counts of aggravated assault by a peace officer, uh, peace officer, police officer, for shooting and gravely wounding a teen eating a hamburger in his car in a McDonald's parking lot. The teen had begun driving away when the officer opened fire. James Brennan, who is 25 years old, was charged in the October 2nd shooting of Eric Cantu, who is 17 years old, according to a police statement. He turned himself into police Tuesday night and remained in custody. Cantu is still unconscious and on life support, his family said. There is no improvement in his condition. The last two days have been very difficult and we expect more difficulty ahead, but we remain hopeful. Brennan, a rookie officer, reported the vehicle Cantu was sitting in had evaded him the night before during an attempted traffic stop. Brennan said he suspected the vehicle was stolen. In body camera footage released by the police, Brennan opens the car door, tells Cantu to get out. The car drives backward with the door open and the officer fires multiple times into the vehicle. He continued to shoot as the car drives away. Cantu's condition, as related in his family statement, is in stark contrast to what police officials said in the wake of the shooting, that Cantu was hospitalized in stable condition. We'd like to correct any misrepresentations that Eric is in stable condition or is going to be fine. That's not true. Every breath is a struggle for him. We ask for everyone's continued prayers for our son, the family said. I have a lot of opinions on this, but this show will go for much longer than 20 minutes if I get into them, so this will be something we'll discuss Friday night on Liberty Happy Hour. British businessman Graham Bonham Carter has been arrested for conspiring to violate U.S. sanctions against Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. The U.S. Department of Justice charged Bonham Carter with one count of conspiring to evade U.S. sanctions in violation of the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, one count of violating the IEEPA, and one count of wire fraud. Each of the charges carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. The U.S. Treasury Department imposed sanctions against Deripaska in 2018 stating that he had acted on behalf of, directly or indirectly, a senior official of the government of the Russian Federation. The Treasury Department also pointed to allegations that Deripaska had bribed a government official, ordered the murder of a businessman, and had links to a Russian organized crime group. Many of Bonham Carter's accounts were frozen in March due to suspicions that he was linked to five of Deripaska's properties in the United States and Britain. So think about that for a minute. He was sanctioned in 2018. Never convicted of any crimes. He's never had any charges brought against him. This is the Treasury who has deemed that all of this has happened. And now, now you're bringing charges against someone because you think he may have connections to that individual's properties here in the United States that you allowed him to purchase. 
A statement from the U.S. Department of Justice alleges that Bonham Carter engaged in over $1 million of illicit transactions to fund real estate properties in the United States for Deripaska's benefit. Bonham Carter is also accused of attempting to conceal the oligarch's ownership of art pieces from a New York auction house. Bonham Carter knew Deripaska had purchased the work. It remained his property, and the funds used to pay for shipping would be billed to Deripaska. The Justice Department's task force, Klepto Capture, an interagency law enforcement task force dedicated to enforcing sanctions, export controls, and economic countermeasures imposed in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, coordinated the investigation. The Department of Justice stated the National Crime Agency of the United Kingdom provided substantial assistance and indicated that the United States will seek Bonham Carter's extradition from Britain. Klepto capture. (laughs) I'd like to see some klepto capture action taking place against all these politicians sending American money over to Ukraine. I'm ready to seize some of those assets and redistribute them to the people of this country. Could you imagine if the United States government put as much energy into exposing and prosecuting Jeffrey Epstein's co-conspirators as they do worrying about Russians paying their bills and securing their assets, what they could actually accomplish? In some 90s kid vibes, I have some amazing news for you guys. Blink-182, San Diego's kings of punk rock are getting the band back together. Or pop, punk, punk rock, whatever. Tom DeLonge is rejoining bandmates Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker for the first time in seven years. The band announced this via their website and social media, and they will be embarking on a world tour starting in March of 2023 and are releasing a new song, Edging, this Friday, with a new album to follow. DeLonge has quit the band twice and now has returned twice. For the last seven years, Matt Skiba of the band Alkaline Trio has taken his place. Between Travis Barker's plane crash and Mark Hoppus's cancer diagnosis, they've been through some shit, so this album, with some life experience, should be a vibe, and I'm here for it. That is your Wednesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I love you guys. I hope you have a great day. We have a new podcast episode on Shouse in the House, so go check that out if you haven't listened to that yet. And we have a Liberty Library discussing the next three chapters of 1984 this evening. If you would like to join us live on Twitter, we will be there for that as well. You guys take care. Have a great day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.